0: Next case on the calendar is United States versus Freeman. Zass for Mr. Freeman. You reserve two minutes for rebuttal, and you can begin whenever you're ready, Mr. Zass.
1: Good morning, Your Honors. Edward Zass, Federal Defenders of New York for Roger Freeman. This appeal presents two legal issues. First, when does supervised release commence? Second, does supervised release run while a defendant is held in pretrial custody on charges that are ultimately dismissed without a conviction? Congress answered both of those questions in 18 U.S.C. Section 3624E. Those answers mean that Mr. Freeman's supervised
0: release began. let's focus on commencement because the government's main argument on that is imprisonment is not limited. It doesn't say federal imprisonment. Um, So if someone continues to be imprisoned on a state charge, that it never commences. So just from uh, doing statutory interpretation again, uh, the the plain meaning of the term imprisonment, what's wrong with that argument?
1: Well, Your Honor, I think the, the best place to start is with the language first in 3624A, because it helps elucidate what the terms in 3624E are going to mean. So if I can just start there, 3624A, Says that a prisoner shall be released by the Bureau of Prisons on the date of the, expiration's, uh, the expiration of the prisoner's term of imprisonment, less any time credited, etc. So a couple of things are clear from this provision. First, it's the Bureau of Prisons that is charged with the obligation of releasing the prisoner. I know, but we're talking about more specific. Aspect
0: here of releasing someone to supervision, and here in this subsection, it says re- the Bureau of is going to release to the supervision of a probation officer. Right. And in this scenario, that doesn't happen. He doesn't get released to the probation officer. He gets, he gets put into state custody. So we're already in a situation that is not addressed by the first part of that subsection because he wasn't released to the supervision of probation officer, and he was not released from imprisonment either. He continued to be in, in prison, in, in prison. And I would just note that uh, Justice Kennedy and in, in Johnson uh, talked about this precise sentence and said, "Release" in this context, it cites Webster's dictionary means to let loose again, to set free from restraint. Um, and then he says, as these definitions illustrate. The ordinary common-sense meaning of release is to be freed from confinement. So there seems to be, in the view of the Supreme Court of the United States, a physical component to release that is absent here. So why should we ignore what the Supreme Court has race said we should do, which is follow the plain meaning?
1: I have several responses to that, Your Honor. Okay. First, the Fifth Circuit has held that the plain meaning of the commencement provision is that, is that imprisonment, is that supervised release commences upon the release from the custody of the Bureau of Prisons, even if- Which case are you referring to? Garcia Rodriguez in the fifth sir. OK. Second, you made the point that Mr. Freeman was not released to the supervision of a probation officer. I do not necessarily agree with that um, statement. It depends on what one means by release to the supervision of a probation officer. As I understand what was going on in subdivision E, there's a couple of things going on. One is there's a clock. And that clock is starting. And it's starting at a very specific time. It's the specific date that the prisoner's federal term of imprisonment expires. And the Bureau of Prisons must then release the prisoner. So That's the clock part. But there's also a very important administrative component that Congress was specifying. Because on that very day, things change. Up until that time, the BOP is in charge of supervising the prisoner. That's where he's being held. This provision that you quoted is meant to say, no, on that date, the person is going to be released to a different entity, in fact, a different agency, which is the probation office. But the commencement provision does not condition the commencement of supervised release on something actually happening in the real world. In other words, if a defendant is released on supervised release, he. Usually- I don't understand
0: that argument. But it, it, it does. The, the thing that happens in the real world is a person's released from imprisonment. That would, in the real world, allow the supervision to begin. That can't happen. The whole purpose of this, and, and um, you can explain to me uh, where I'm missing something here. The whole purpose is to uh, allow, the purpose of supervised release is to allow someone to make an adjustment back when they're out of custody back into the world and to have the support to do that and to make sure that they don't go uh, fall back into criminal behavior, um, <clears throat> none of that happens when someone remains in custody in state, in a state prison. It just doesn't happen. Your client had five parole violations, five. So not, he's a perfect court. example of why if someone just goes to state custody and doesn't have any type of uh, freedom, it's,
1: it, it, this, the the same risks are going to be there. Your Honor, Congress didn't say that, that, that imprisonment, um, that, that supervised release is told for people who desperately need supervision. It said explicitly, this is a policy built into this provision, that supervised release Is Lisa,
2: that supervised release simply, um, uh, disappears, uh, when a person is released into state custody?
1: No, no, no. What's built into the statute is, in okay. 99% of the cases, the time in state custody will be tolled. In narrow situations that are explicit in the text, so Congress thought about the problem that the, Judge Biondo identified. So that's the tolling. That's, that's the tolling, the tolling after, provision after 30 days. Yeah. Well, that's right. If someone there's there's really three situations, I guess, that Congress thought about. One is a relatively short term of imprisonment. 29 days. Right. Supervised release runs during that period, yeah. even though, as a practical right. matter, that person really can't comply with the normal conditions of supervised right. release while in prison. Right. But they also said, and so this is... So your
2: argument is, then is they can't supply, the, they can't get supervised release while in prison, but nonetheless there's some totally.
1: That That is exactly what the Supreme Court decided later yeah. in Mont if a defendant is in state custody and is ultimately acquitted, yeah. or the charges are dismissed. So let me just
2: give the, you, maybe from a 30,000 foot perspective, we've we're all been district judges. We're all used to sexing people. They go to prison, then they get supervised release, which serves the purpose that Judge Bianco referred to. Uh, but uh, what you're saying is there's really a different paradigm here when a person is, is, is put into state custody <laughs> Uh, because um, we shouldn't be thinking in those duality terms. We ought to be thinking of supervised release as really an extension of the confinement or some some control over the defendant that is um, uh, is uh, subsumed within the state within the state
1: prison. That is that is almost exactly what I'm saying. Oh, well, um, but tell, that's me, a, tell me tell me why why it's not. Well, be, what, because what, your, I want to know exactly what your argument is. My argument is that Congress explicitly thought about this problem. They understood that people um, could be on supervised release and then arrested, put in some kind of confinement. And they could have said, supervised release will never run, it will be told during that period. They could have said, it doesn't matter, it always is going to run during that period. They chose neither of those options. They said, if you're in prison but you're acquitted, or the charges are dismissed, that time <coughs> constitutes supervised release. Okay. Now, and you're, I,
2: you're, you're over your time. I understand your point. Yes. You're over your time, but uh, I would like you to address the second point. That is, after he was um, uh, his his conviction was overturned, he was kept in custody for a period of what four months or something. No, know. no, no, almost five years. Oh, F- it's like five, five. I was going to say four years. Five years, almost five years. And um, under those circumstances, the other side's argument is that it was in connection with the conviction. But there was no conviction at that point. Uh, they're just saying that that's, I guess, a loose kind of association with the prior conviction, uh, or the possible further conviction. I don't know which. Uh, but, but in any event, he was never convicted because they dropped the case uh, a second time. So he was held in pretrial detention, and shouldn't that be viewed the same as pretrial detention, in
1: effect? I think Mott actually controls on this issue. Uh, I don't want to use the word frivolous, but it is, it is, there is no factual basis, and there is no basis in law to say that when someone is being held for a potential retrial for years, that that person is being held in connection with a conviction that's already been reversed and rendered a nullity. That to me is preposterous. I did want to not ignore Judge Bianco's. Right. It, uh, one of his very important questions is: is it is it is a mistake, I think, and it causes all kinds of mischief if you start to take the government's definition of imprisonment in that sentence and put it elsewhere. In other words, the government says imprisonment in this one sentence, the commencement provision. Right. What's the mischief? Just, it's What's just the mischief? Well, I think it renders the tolling provision almost surplusage, because they're saying imprisonment is incompatible with supervised release. They can't run at the same time. Well, if that were true, Congress wouldn't have had to specify first imprisonment in connection with a federal conviction for a federal state or local crime. It would have already been included in confinement. And and every case we've we've cited to you on the issue of when, um, when supervised release commences, this is the Fifth Circuit, uh, a number of, of cases we cite in the reply brief, Blevins in Virginia, they all hold that supervised release commences upon release from the custody of the BOP.
0: No no circuit has ever said that if you go immediately to state imprisonment that your supervised release Commences. No court has said that.
1: I'm not. I'm not sure if that's true, but this. Oh, I haven't found. I haven't found a case. So the, uh, the, you
0: haven't cited the, one. The government hasn't cited one. I don't think any court has addressed this issue. There's some about administrative detention, whether that's imprisonment or not. Um, there's some under the Adam Walsh Act when you go into civil confinement, um, which is continuing to be BOP custody. So many circuits have yes, said that but, doesn't but, commence. But so this f- particular issue, I don't think any circuit has decided. But, but,
1: the, fifth, but the government is saying that imprisonment means confinement. And so if imprisonment means confinement, then there's no distinction. Well, not, they're not
0: just saying that. that Johnson said that, that. Justice Kennedy said that in Johnson. I yeah, just but, read it to you you know, a few minutes but, ago. But so. that
1: was not about anything other than BOP custody. The issue there was was when is a person released from BOP confinement? And, <coughs> and the court held it. If they're held beyond the time right. by the BOP, they're not how my, What was his total sentence, total time period of imprisonment? My client's told yes. him, so there was the 37-month for the federal crime. Right. He was released from the BOP's custody on October 30th of 2013. Right. He then remains in state custody until January 17th of 2023. He's released into the community. He thinks he's done all he's required to do and is free, and he's contacted by the U.S. probation officer who says, we haven't heard from you. And so that prompted our motion to say, no, no, this time has to be treated as supervised release under mocked. So
2: it's like a total of what, uh, 37 months plus Plus a decade? Plus a decade.
1: All right.
3: Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. much. With the the forbearance of of the presiding judge, I have a simple question, less granular than the questions that you've been addressing. This is a case of first impression in the circuit? Uh,
1: I think on this precise question, yes.
3: Now, you've been a federal defender for many years and it's always good to see you because you, you're you always well prepared. Thank you, John. And uh, we're all grateful for that. But how many years have you been doing this?
1: It going on 28 years. 28 yes, years? yes.
3: And do you remember any case like this in 28 years?
1: Uh, well, the, I
3: mean, why is this a case of first impression? This is sort of a, do,
1: do you, do a you, macro. I have, I have the answer for you. Go ahead. I, I have the answer. It's because this is an extraordinary fact pattern. Most well, how defend, extraordinary is it, really? It's extraordinary because <clears throat> most defendants who finish their federal term of imprisonment are either released outright or they're released directly to a state to serve a sentence that's already been imposed for a state conviction. Or or they're convicted if they are if we exactly if they're convicted then it's told. Ninety nine percent of the people are probably convicted. So I think that's why this doesn't come up. But I I I would say that the, the Blevins case is factually as close as we've seen. It's a district court case, but it does cite some precedents from this circuit that recognize that that even for people who desperately need supervision, and even where supervision is not possible. So that was the, the removal case right. Balibu Balogun. Okay. They said it All runs right. because we have to read the statute according to its terms, even if it may seem counterintuitive. All right.
0: Thank you, Mr. Zastrow.
1: Thank, Thank you so much. much. You're welcome.
0: We'll now hear from the government, Mr. Skernik.
4: Good morning, Your Honors. Matthew Skernick for Applee United States. May have please the Court. The District Court here properly applied the Supreme Court's decision in the United States versus Johnson to hold that the defendant's term of supervised release commenced upon Well, it seemed like
0: the District Court actually relied on tolling. If you read, it seems like the District Court was saying it was told. Um, and you make that argument, it's not your main argument, but uh, Mr. Zass, I think, makes a very good point that that seems to be foreclosed by Montt, that in this situation, um, he was not convicted, and the charges were dismissed. And so, right, isn't Montt control this issue, that this is not one
4: where it's told? <laughs> No, Your Honor. So the district court here cited to Johnson. It, it also did talk about tolling, but yeah, I think either to... ground told language. It didn't say
0: anything about commencement, right? Where did it say commencement in the district court's decision? That his, it, his supervision never commenced. I didn't see that anywhere in the in the decision, right? It,
4: the, the district court did cite Johnson uh, for, for the point about when that supervision happened after release from confinement. Um, I don't have the decision in front of me, but I, yeah, I know... The court he- finds
0: a three-year supervised release imposed in this case at sentencing what's told told during Correct. his time in state custody and commenced upon his release from state custody. So um, I, I, I'm having a hard time understanding how this could be told in light of Mont.
4: Yes, Your Honor. So, so the district court in the sentence you just read said commenced upon his release from state custody. That's the language from Mont, now there's two provisions in section 3624E. There's the commencement provision and the tolling provision. Now this court can decide this case and can affirm the district court solely based on the commencement provision and the Supreme Court's decision in Johnson. This court does not have to reach Mont. This court does not have to reach the question.
2: Why, why, why is that so? If, if in fact, the defendant is is kept in state custody, uh, waiting uh, trial that never occurs, uh, why isn't isn't that pretrial detention at that point after the after the conviction was overturned? So,
4: so first, your honors, don't have to reach that question, and the reason is, if you look to the Supreme Court's decision in Johnson. In Johnson, the defendant there had his underlying conviction vacated, overserved his prison sentence, but the Supreme Court never asked was the time that defendant spent in custody in connection with a conviction. The Supreme Court instead looked only to the commencement provision and asked when did supervision commence. And we know that that wasn't an accident. Because the
2: statute referred to in connection with a conviction or words to that effect. In connection with a, yeah, in connection with a conviction?
4: The, the tolling provision does, but not the commencement provision you're right, on. Right,
2: but, but I'm, we're looking at the, forget everything that happened before the before his uh, state uh, conviction was overturned. Just leave that aside. Let's just take that that as a situation. Uh, and that, you know, you could have it. And then, then at that point, uh, why isn't there, uh, uh, how, how can there be tolling?
4: So... Uh, there's sort of two arguments here, Your Honor. The first is you know, the government's position is that supervision commenced on January 17th, 2023. Now, let's say Your Honors disagree with us on this yeah. and think supervision instead commenced in October 2013 when the defendant was transferred from federal prison to state prison pursuant to a detainer. Yeah. That's it's not the, the kind
2: of supervision Congress intended, but it is supervision of a sort.
4: I suppose. So so that's the instance, Your Honor, in which the tolling provision would apply. And in that instance, then the question becomes, was that time in state custody in connection with a conviction? Again, we don't think, Your Honors, have to reach that issue. But if you are going to reach it, here's our position on it. The Supreme Court and this court have recognized that in connection with is language that has a very broad meaning. They've recognized it specifically in the context of 3624E. In Mont, the Supreme Court said time in custody can be connected to a conviction, even if it happens before the conviction, because Mont involved pretrial custody, later credited for time served. And then this court in Bussey said that time spent in custody could be connected to a conviction, even if it was not the direct result of the conviction. Bussey was somebody who was incarcerated because of a parole violation.
2: Well, that may be fine, but the conviction is gone. Uh, it was overturned. So, how can there be. A, uh, uh, holding a person in connection with a conviction is adultery.
4: So this court in Bussey said that one of the reasons why Mr. Bussey's time in custody was connected to his conviction is because it was a consequence of his conviction. In this case, Mr. Freeman would not have spent an additional four or five years in prison if he had not been convicted in the first place in state court. I understand that conviction was vacated. Right. But if instead he had been acquitted at trial, if instead charges had initially been dismissed, he would have been released at that time. But again, this is not an issue. Uh, yeah, I why don't you
0: important. focus on the commencement for for a moment? Why isn't Mr. Sass's argument that um, you should re- read release from imprisonment and bureau prison in the context of federal imprisonment only? What's your response to that? You should look at the statute as a whole. It seems clear that the statute of the whole is geared towards uh, custody and BOP and release from BOP, and then that's how the commencement provision should be interpreted. What's your
4: response to that? Several points, Your Honor. So the first point is to go back to the text of the statute and the Supreme Court's decision in Johnson, where the Supreme Court said, the benchmark for when supervision commences is when you are actually freed from confinement. Mr. Freeman was not freed from confinement. When he was transferred from a federal prison facility to a state prison facility pursuant to a detainer, he remained confined at that point. That's the first point. The okay, second. But, but
2: the state, I don't know enough about state sentencing to be able to be uh, authoritative at all on this, but presumably there's a period of parole, release on parole or super supervision of some sort at the state level. I take it that his sentence did not have that in the state, at the state level, because he was, uh, uh, we don't, we don't know. I mean, when he was sentenced at that, he was sentenced after the convention was in place before it was overturned, right? And it was just a term of years at that point? Was that right?
4: Uh, I'm not sure if there was a, a term of parole why, why or can't you supervision.
2: As, uh, the um, supervised release works perfectly if, if it's purely a federal case, but maybe, maybe there are circumstances when it's, you're turned over to the state and the state prosecutes, that um, abrogates, in fact, the supervised release or was allowed to occur, notwithstanding uh, the fact of, um, you know, that, that that the supervised release of the federal system doesn't reach, doesn't reach that. Um, and that, 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 therefore, you have a complete termination of federal interest once the state is taking over.
4: Well, Your Honor, Congress actually said in the statute, in Section 3624E, Said that supervised release, federal supervised release would run concurrent to any other term of parole, supervised release, or probation for another offense. Now, Congress did not say the same thing for state custody. They did not. Congress did not say that federal supervised release was would run concurrently with state custody. And just to get back to your honor's question about again, why does imprisonment? in the second sentence of 3624 you the commencement provision why does imprisonment include not just federal but also state custody so you have to return to the bedrock principle of statutory construction that when congress uses the same word in two different places in the same statute it typically means the same thing so in the very next sentence the tolling provision congress says supervision does not run during any period when someone is imprisoned in connection with a conviction for a federal, state, or local crime. If someone's imprisoned in connection with a conviction for a state crime, they're very likely to be in a state prison. For that reason, we know that imprisoned means both Federal and state some custody.
0: Some circuits, uh, Judge Cabran has pointed out, I think accurately, that this is a matter of first impression, I think not just before this circuit, but I think any circuit as it relates to a state conviction. But there are some circuits, the Fifth Circuit and the Sixth Circuit have said, before Johnson, that administrative detention, if you go into ICE custody, that your supervised release starts, um, even though you're obviously in custody, that that's not imprisonment. Um, so they seem to at least suggest that it's not just a physical thing. Um,
4: That's correct, Your Honor. And, And here's why ICE custody is different than state custody. In Section 3583D, Congress specifically said that transfer to ICE custody for purposes of removal from the United States, so ICE administrative detention, can itself be a condition of supervised release.
0: All right.
4: So if – How about this in, – in uh,
0: it seems a little – I was trying to think of situations, but if he had been released for a day from – he finished his federal sentence, but they don't show up at the jail, he gets out for a day, um, assuming we disagree with you on tolling, his time would have run, right, even though
4: it was a day. So so I would agree, Your Honor, that if he was released for a day, right. then this would be a question about tolling, not a question about commencement. It would have commenced at the time he was released. And there actually is an example of this. So the Blevins case, yeah. Mr. Zass cited. what well, is was on the steps, right? Yeah. He In that case, he was sentenced to time served, walked out of the courthouse, is then rearrested outside the courthouse on state charges that were eventually dismissed. So Blevins is a tolling case, and Mont controls there. But our position is that this case is – a commencement case, or primarily, and this Court can decide based on the commencement provision.
0: All right. It, Thank you. Mr. Zass, you have two minutes.
1: Just three quick points, Your Honor. I'm going to say very little about Mont, except to quote you what they decided there. The Court ruled that, quote, time in pretrial detention constitutes supervised release, Only if the charges against the defendant are dismissed or the defendant is acquitted. That's precisely what happened. The charges were dismissed. Therefore, there was no tolling. The harder question, where there is no 100% controlling authority, is did the supervised release term commence? I think the government may have just won the case for me, because they told you that the bedrock principle of statutory interpretation, is that the court, when the court sees a term in a statute, the presumption is that the word means the same thing throughout, unless there's a clear indication to the contrary. So let's play that out. This whole section of 3624 is talking about the federal term of imprisonment. That's the one that the judge imposed at sentencing, that's the one that's followed by the supervised release term. But all of a sudden now, in E, the government says, no, imprisonment in the commencement provision is much broader. It's any confinement. So if you're still in some confinement, and presumably this covers ICE custody because they haven't explained why that's not confinement. So now there's a new meaning, a bigger meaning. But then it gets worse because then you go on in the tolling provision, and now this word that the government has just defined as as any custody, Congress felt the need to now say, no, it's imprisonment in connection with a conviction for a federal, state, or local crime, that tolls it. But if imprisonment already includes any confinement, they wouldn't have had to put in the specific reference to federal, state, or local local, um, crimes. It would have already been included. So the bedrock principle that the government cited to you supports us the, the The word imprisonment" in this statute, and in fact, throughout Title eighteen, is about federal imprisonment that's what the Congress is regulating. They're not authorized to regulate state confinement all right but what if I may just finish you right but, but my point is when they wanted it to mean something other than federal imprisonment, they said so explicitly in the tolling provision. If I can do one final ten second point, Your Honor's.
3: And I'll take 10 seconds (laughs) after that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, If you find that the commencement provision is not clear, Fifth Circuit says it's clear, but if you find it's ambiguous, I would urge you to interpret the commencement provision in light of the tolling provision. In other words, the tolling provision, we know Congress didn't want there to be tolling where the defendant is in prison and the charges are dismissed or acquitted. They viewed that, in a way, as unfair. In that situation, they were willing to say that we're going to, we're going to allow that time in prison to count as supervised release, even though we all know it's not really supervised release in the way that it normally is. So I would, I would urge but you But that's really- the only
0: situation they chose to address. Johnson dealt with someone being held extra time, which is certainly unfair, right? In Johnson, he was held extra time, right? In and, the BOP. Right, but it's still unfair. So we're not addressing fairness or unfairness. Johnson, it was certainly unfair to him that he was held. And the Supreme Court yet said, for purposes of commencement, you're out of luck, right?
1: In that context. I mean, that was 19 years before. I know, but I'm just trying to,
0: you're trying to say that this is about fairness.
1: And, no, no, no. I'm trying to tell you that the statute itself decided that certain time in prison okay. would not okay. be told, Let's and that the concern was fairness. Okay. And you should read it not only in light of, of the tolling provision, but if there really is ambiguity, the rule of lenity would apply, because this is a criminal statute All about right. part what, of the Judge has a question for you.
3: A very simple question. What is it that you want from us? That is, what is the remedy that you're seeking from the Court of Appeals? Which is to say, what is the decretal language that would are accomplish the objectives that
1: you're seeking? Yes, it, it would be for the foregoing reasons. We reverse the order of the district court and hold that Mr. Freeman's term of supervised release expired no later than September 12, September 2020. Right, so he'd be done.
0: Yes. You would also, if we ruled against you, you could go in January and seek early termination, if you believe, based upon all these Equitable fairness considerations. You could go back to the district court and say, um, you know, we spent all this time in state custody. He's now been, in, uh, it's been a year, terminate, right? And she would have completely under authority just to terminate him in January, right?
1: If, if you rule against us, that is certainly something we will pursue. But my point to you, Judge, is that that decision by Judge Matsumoto, if we have to go there, is a discretionary decision. She can deny it or grant it. Right. I'm giving you a legal argument, and if I'm right on my legal argument, supervised release ended, what, two, three, five years ago? Right. And so I don't think if this were a direct appeal of a sentence and we were showing you that there's an illegal sentence, you would say to me, well, you can go make a compassionate sure. release motion and tell the court.
0: I, I'm, I wasn't suggesting it in that way. I was just suggesting that if there's any, assuming you're incorrect about the statute, right. that there's still equitable ways that a court could address these types of rather unique situations. That was my only
1: point. I, I totally agree with it. I accept okay. that point. I thank you for the point, but it doesn't change I the legal issues
0: here. I understand. Thank All right. You. Thank you, Mr. Zass. Thank you, Mr. Skernick. Thank we'll you. reserve decision. Have a good day.